Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message. And now, Father, embrace us. May we know of of your love for us. May your love so warm us that we might be energized and moved to live this life to its full. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Sunday, last week, I was back there chatting with you all, and all of a sudden it occurred to me, one of my key points I missed in the sermon. And I thought, what on earth? And so I was kicking myself all afternoon, and... um, and then I, I, too, come around to the point where I think, well, maybe, maybe this was the Lord's intent. And so I thought, I'll do a second sermon, not on the same topic, but something similar. And actually, this is based on my, my reference to the, the shorter Westminster Catechism, the opening question, which you've all heard before, what is the chief end of man? The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And it occurred to me after a few days in this week that last week I really talked about glorifying God. This time it's about enjoying him. What does it mean to enjoy God? I mean, that just seems so foreign to our ordinary experience, enjoying God. But this text this morning is a picture of what the enjoyment of God looks like. And it's a beautiful picture taken from life in the centuries prior to Christ, but one that we can in our own way identify with. Hear the word of God as it comes to us from Psalm 128. How joyful are those who fear the Lord, all who follow his ways. You will enjoy the fruit of your labor How joyful and prosperous you will be. Your wife will be like a fruitful grapevine, flourishing within your home. Your children will be like vigorous young olive trees as they sit around your table. That is the Lord's blessing for those who fear him. May the Lord continually bless you from Zion. May you see Jerusalem prosper as long as you live. May you live to enjoy your grandchildren. May Israel have peace. And may God add his understanding to this, to this hearing of his word. So when I was a kid, I had to go to church. Mom and dad, particularly dad, made me go to church. And I remember sitting next to dad and acting like a kid. And I remember him reaching over and pinching my leg to get me to settle down. And um, Sunday school was okay, but church was dismal. And, um, and then when I 
When I was about 12 years old, I started throwing papers on Sunday mornings, and um, the guys afterwards would go to the bowling alley. And so I started missing church some, and I heard about it from, from Dad. And so I would, I would go, and they were in a new church. They were first congregational before, now they were first were at the uh, Presbyterian church. And, and it was dismal. This time I'm 12, 13 years old. And I would, I would rebel against that, and I'd wear cut-off jeans and cut-off sweatshirt and try to be cool amidst all those hypocrites, those people in suits and ties. And uh, is that your phone again, Lou Wang? Lou Wang. <laughs> and... <clears throat> And I began to think that, that being a Christian meant being kind of, kind of so serious all the time. Um, that, that being a Christian meant somehow being hard on yourself and, and just, uh. and, and yet I came to faith during summer camp in Southern California, Forest Home, and then that fall, the end of October, there was a winter camp. And my dad signed me up to go to this thing, and I was sort of dreading it. Because I, I thought this was, I, I mean, the summer camp was great, but I didn't know what this winter camp was gonna be. And all I can say is that I went, and the, the camp director made this opening comment, I want you to know that here we have no rules. And everyone cheered. <laughs> we do, however, have some very clear guidelines. <laughs> and then the camp unfolded. And they started with a skit. And I don't think I had ever laughed so hard in my life. And it was an entirely new experience. And the... Young Life director was with us guys in the cabin and he was such a goofball. I mean, it was like we had trouble sleeping because there was so much goofing around and laughing going on. And I, I just began to think, I wonder if this is more like what Christianity is about than that. Even when I was in seminary, after two years at Princeton Seminary, I thought if, if church is like seminary, and if church is like I had known growing up, I don't wanna do this, I don't wanna be in the ministry. Then I got out and I had a really fabulous year with a really talented pastor in Southern California. And that was a long time ago now. But then I, I got a, a text from my daughter in Texas and her little daughter had just been to vacation Bible school. And she came back with a poster that they gave all the kids. And the number one thing on that poster, the number one comment on that poster was for them to know that they were sinners. Number one. I thought, what? Why? I hearken back to the, the old four spiritual laws. So law number one, 
God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. But the number one statement was the love of God. Not the number one statement, you're a sinner. And I, I just thought, what's going on? Where that becomes the lead message to little kids, seven-year-old Everly. And um, I wondered if, in fact, this was the, an effort to sort of counter the kind of this dark conversation going back and forth between, between evangelicalism and, and the neo-paganism of our, of our culture at this time. And then in some of my reading, I realized that the church has followed in so many ways the philosophy of Immanuel Kant. Kant says this, an action is moral only if one has no desire to perform it but performs it out of a sense of duty and derives no benefit from it of any sort, neither material nor spiritual. In other words, you're to be good for nothing. You're to be good without any expectation of any kind of reward. You're to do good things and be pretty much sour about it. And go to church and look like you've got gallstones. And I thought, when my, when my daughter showed me this about her daughter, I was just, I was disturbed. And I thought, what, what on earth? I want our little ones to know God loves them. God loves them so much. That God, in his love, his love is what brings correction, not some sort of a self-flagellation because of the reality of human sin. I want them to know God loves them. And, and of course, I'm coming from a perspective that's rooted and grounded in the, the thought of C.S. Lewis, G.K. Chesterton, and other great thinkers of the 20th century. C.S. Lewis says, it is a Christian duty for everyone to be as happy as he can. (laughs) That makes a lot more sense to me. And then Chesterton says that um, the gigantic secret of the Christian is joy. The gigantic secret of the Christian is joy. So how do we get that? How does that come to us? How do we experience that? So I was at LA Fitness the other day, and, and actually I've seen this guy many times. He's a, um, he goes into this workout area. It's kind of a large quasi-gym area where the ladies do their dancing and stuff. But he goes in there alone, and he, he's like a break dancer. And I, I saw him do all this stuff, and. And he's, I mean, he's in great condition. He's doing all kinds of crazy stuff. But then when he's done, he's kind of strutting around and he, like this. And I thought, he's kind of a nerd. <laughs> but then I thought more. I remember a time, isn't it funny how certain memories stick with us? But I was, it was practice at UC Santa Barbara. And we had this one guy who's 6'11", tall, lanky, and uh, long arms, big hands. And, 
And he was, he was in the center. And, and I have this, this memory of timing a rebound just perfectly and going up over the top of him and grabbing the rebound away from him and coming down. And, and I thought, now why do I remember that? It wasn't about beating him. It was the joy the joy, the aesthetic joy of entering fully into my capabilities as as an athlete, of of fully fully enjoying that gift that God had given me. It's not about beating anyone. It wasn't about getting uh, a a different spot on the team, moving up and uh, off the bench and onto the floor or anything of that sort. It was just the joy of experiencing that. It's kind of like also as a little kid hitting a baseball and and where you hardly even feel the the ball in the bat and you see it fly. There's, There's a deep and profound aesthetic joy about entering into our humanity, the the way that God made us to really fully enjoy what the Lord has given to us. And even now I experience that differently in in my, my preparation each week, I commented to somebody out here on the sidewalk, every single week is, is a climb up Everest for me. <laughs> my preparation and the work and everything else. But it's when I read certain people, certain authors, when I read Steinbeck, I'm just amazed. Jonah Goldberg, I'm just amazed at how well he writes. And just the beauty that I experience, agree or disagree with what is being written, just the beauty of of seeing somebody exercising their gift, standing back and and seeing it. And I've shared before how I get a a kick out of it when I see these young families at Sam's Club where the dad's pushing one of those flatbed things and two or three kids are riding on it and they've got it loaded up with water and toilet paper and all this stuff. And, and I just love it. I love it. It's that picture of joy in the psalm of your wife is a fruitful vine and your children like vigorous olive shoots around your table. That does not imply children behaving themselves implies kids being kids and acting their ages. And that that is a a picture of joy. That is that we simply, we enter into it, we we participate in it. And we, we know that we have experienced something that is beyond what we in any way have accomplished. Reminded of, reminded of uh, David, King David, when he captured the ark, was held by the Philistines, and the ark, when it was there, gave him all kinds of trouble. They had this god, and they put it in, the, in with this god named Dagon. Sounds like a bug spray. And uh, Dagon kept falling over, and it just made life miserable for the Philistines, and they broke out in boils, and, and so, they, so David brought it back. But when he brought it back, he danced before the ark. He was so overwhelmed with joy, he danced before the ark. And that that got one of his wives mad, but I mean, 
he was so joyful. And, and so this is, this is somehow the way in which we enjoy God. And that is by entering in to experience the, the real joy of, of being fully human and knowing the love that God has for us. You know, we have, we have so many experiences of this. You know, even this, this picture that is given to us is that of a family and, and of marriage. And, and in as much as family and marriage has been so, so attacked, undermined, um, where we have such chaos in our culture these days about such relationships. But you know, we were made, I think the Catholics have it right in the sense that they call, they call marriage a sacrament. They call it something very special. And, and it used to be that the pastor, the pastor, after he would do a marriage, would go over to the house the next day to make sure things had been consummated. But that consummation is in itself sacramental. It's the two knowing oneness, knowing a mystery beyond themselves, knowing the gift of God that, that has brought them together and gives a deep and profound joy and connectedness. And how often is that, that whole concept lost to us? And instead, it becomes something that is used and abused and people get used and abused and it's not pretty. We think that Christians have have the hard road, the road of not being able to have any fun, not having any joy. Well, so much of it is, is just so opposite of that. Jesus and John said, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Fullness of life. And how, how do we enjoy God? How does God enjoy us? Of course, glorifying God and enjoying God is really the same thing. But think about it. So if you've got kids or grandkids, you know, it's, it's good when they obey. We tell them to go to bed or go get in the tub or uh, help with the dishes. And yeah, it's always good when they obey but it gives us joy when they're having the time of their life, when they're laughing hard, when they're running around and, and being kids. When we see that, when we see them obeying, you know, this is good, this is fine. I appreciate this. Do your homework, they're doing their homework. But when they're laughing, we laugh. When they're having the time of their life, we are having the time of our lives. That's why we call God Father. Of course, the Lord tells us, Scripture tells us to address him as Father. 
But the personal nature of God is, is such that the fatherhood of God is a reminder that God is not some way off impersonal reality, but he, want, he is one who loves us and cares for us and watches over us. So I had a couple of visits this week and uh, went to see Norma over here at Naples Community Hospital. And he's, she said some things that I thought were really quite profound with respect to the, the realities of enjoying God in life. When I arrived in the hospital room, she was just getting off the phone with one of her grandkids. And one of her grandchildren was encouraging her to move up with them, up, up north. And I said to her, well, Norma, why? It's cold up there. <laughs> she said, but you know, when you're inside, it doesn't make any difference. And, and uh, she was so touched and moved that her grand, grandkids were, were encouraging her to, to move up and be with them. And she made, a, she made a statement that I thought was really profound. She said, you know, I guess I'm at the end. And yet it has been so good. I am so grateful. Reminded me of the words of Simeon when he said, let us now thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. When he had seen the, the baby Jesus. But her words reflected with a glow and a smile on her face, a deep and profound enjoyment of life and the life to come. And likewise with my visit with Richard. We talked long, we talked about Bill Russell and sports and, and you know, he's from Boston, he's got one of those weird Boston accents and stuff. And, and um, but then he said, you know, I just need to get back to church. Not the dismal kind, but the church where Christ is honored, God is glorified and God is enjoyed and where God's children love and bless one another with, with mutual love. And so as we go to the table, we're reminded, this is God's love for us. This is a concrete way in which God demonstrates how loved we are. Will you join me in prayer? And thank you, Father. There are only times that we're really lovable. The rest of it, we're just cantankerous or rebellious or ignoring or clueless. You love us still. And you come to us and you show your joy. We thank you in the name of your Son, our Savior Christ. Amen. If you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a few things you can do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.naplescommunitychurch.org. If you happen to be visiting Naples, please drop in for our Sunday service at 10 a.m. We'd love to meet you. Thanks again for joining us. Have a fabulous day.